Good morning, Faith Church. I'm excited as we continue our current series, Back to the 90s, to introduce not only our Faith Church Young Adult Director, but a guy who is growing into the anointing and the calling on his life. It has been a privilege over the last several years to see him grow as a gifted communicator, as a young adult impactor, and to watch him on the platform for the very first time. Faith Church, will you stand to your feet and welcome Braden Benvenuti. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for such a warm welcome, Faith Church. Pastor Steve, thank you for such an incredible introduction, man. Don't deserve that, but thank you so much, man. Welcome to the house, everybody here in Florence. Good to see everybody here. Can we welcome everybody tuning in at our Shoals campus and everybody tuning in with us online? We love technology. Love that you guys are able to join us from wherever you're at. And so, like Pastor Steve said, my name is Brayden. I get the opportunity to lead the young adult ministry here at Faith Church. And usually at this point, I say it's my honor to be your host this morning. But this morning, I have to say it's my honor to be bringing the word for the first time. I'm pumped. I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do this morning. And I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity right here uh, to do this. And so I just want to honor Pastor Steve, our lead pastor. So if you guys would, Faith Church, would you stand to your feet and just give Pastor Steve the best celebration, best honor for who he is? You guys can grab your seats. Pastor Steve, thank you so much for this opportunity. Man, I know uh, the weight and responsibility that comes with this, and so I appreciate this. We appreciate you. You're leading this house well. Uh, you're investing in us as a church, um, and so we're just appreciative of, of you as a lead pastor, so thank you. So Faith Church, we've been in this series called Back to the 90s the last few weeks, talking about one of the greatest decades there is, um, and relating that to God's characteristics within some of the chapters within Psalms 90s. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about different things. Week one, we talked about God's justice. We talked about week two, God's protection. Last week, my man Ty Beckman crushed it uh, with God's greatness. And today, I have the opportunity, opportunity to talk about God's worship. And it's funny, we're going to be in Psalms 98. When Pastor Steve gave me this passage, I was like, couldn't be better. Your boy was born in 1998. And so I got Psalm 98. I was like, man, the Lord is good. He's going to be speaking something this morning. Man, the 90s, they were known for having uh, some great fan bases, some great teams within that decade. And I know a lot of us here, we live in Alabama. We got a lot of favorite teams. There's probably one kind of main team maybe that you guys are fans of. I don't know which one it might be. But across this room, at our Shoals campus, online, I know there's lots of different fan bases represented probably. And so I want to do a little experiment real quick. I want to see who thinks their favorite team is the best. Are we cool with that? Can we do that? All right, so I'm going to give you some, some teams. You, I may not say your team, but I have, a chance, I, I have a feeling that I'll say probably a majority of your team. So we're going to go in the college realm. All right, so when I kind of say the, 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 the chant or your team, maybe I want to hear some noise. I want to hear if you think your team is the best. Deal? Sound good? All right. Can I get a roll tide? Hey. That was... I was we're in Alabama. That's the best we got. Come on. Can I get a roll tide? Okay. All right. All right. You know, I got to go with the rival. Any war eagles in the building? Okay. A little bit more than I thought. What about uh, go Vols? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. We'll leave that in Tennessee. What about go Buckeyes? 
Yeah, no, we know we said that just to give Pastor Steve an opportunity to shout for his team. And I got to do this because it's my team. Any go blue, any Michigan Wolverines. Let's go. My God. I'm from Michigan. That's my team. I knew I could count on Pastor Austin. That's why I did that. Thank you for that. So the 90s, there was two really great teams that I want to focus on. That we, just talked, we just mentioned a lot of teams now, but there were two that really left their mark on sports um, with, with their team and with the fan base that they accumulated. And so the first team can't talk about the 90s without bringing up the Chicago Bulls. It's impossible. We've talked about it a, a little bit. Each communicator, you know, talked about the 90s and culture and everything. I got to highlight the 90s. They or highlight the Bulls in the 90s. They were one of the best NBA teams to ever play. They won six championships in the 90s. Out of 10 years, they won six. That, that's not normal. That doesn't happen a lot. And so, of course, they were led by one of the best players. Sorry, the greatest player of all time. Sorry, Pastor Steve. Michael Jordan. Uh, You don't even have to play basketball. Okay, yeah, Michael Jordan, yeah. You don't even have to play basketball to know who Michael Jordan is. He was transcendent over sports, over everything. People who just live, they're like, oh, I know Michael Jordan. And so he led this team in the 90s. Two different times, they won three championships in a row. In 91, 92, and 93, three in a row. Took a break. They were like, ah, let's give some other teams a chance. Come back, 96, 97, 98, three more championships in a row. And you see, usually, you know, fans are going to be in Chicago, right? But with all this winning and what Michael Jordan was able to do with, with Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and, and a great coach and Phil Jackson is... Not only did they have fans where they were, they had fans across the country. They had fans even across the world. People who wanted to be fans of the Chicago Bulls because of how great they were and how much success they had. We're going to switch gears, go to another sport, talking about football. You can't talk about the 90s without bringing up the Dallas Cowboys. Any Dallas Cowboys fans in the building? Oh, a few. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys, now they were led by quarterback Troy Aikman, one of the greatest quarterbacks to play. And so they actually won three Super Bowls in four years. No other NFL team can say that. They won three Super Bowls in four years within the 90s, and they became America's favorite team. That's, that's what they were deemed as. And, and, you know, somehow they still are. I don't know how, because they're, they're terrible the last 10 years. But, but they're still America's favorite team because of what they did in the 90s. You see, they were successful. They, had, they just had that swag. They had a great stadium. They had the Dallas Cowboys cheer. Uh, never mind. No, not that. It was a great team where they were successful and won, and they won three Super Bowls in the span of, of four years. Like, you want to be a part of that team. And so these aren't my favorite teams, but I don't blame people for following these teams because they were great. They were great teams. And so my question today... We're talking about great teams, talking about who our favorite team is. What makes your favorite team your favorite team? Why are you so devoted to your team? Think about it, all the time invested, right? All the money, all all the games we watch, the tickets we buy, the merchandise. We got jerseys, we got t-shirts, we got the bumper stickers. All this time and money invested into a team. Why? I've found that there's three things. Three factors that play into why a team is our favorite. Number one is, is who they are, their identity. Who's on the team? Where are they from? Right? The only reason Pastor Steve is a fan of the Cleveland Browns still is because he's from Ohio. 
right? It's where they're from, and so that's why, that's why I'm a Michigan fan. That's where I was born, and I'm going to stick with them. Maybe you, know, uh, maybe you know a player on a team, and so you're like, oh, I want to be a fan of them because you know, I know them, and so I'm going to join that team. I'm going to join the fan base with them. Second is what they've done, right? I've talked a little bit about it. Are, the history of the team, are they successful? Can they win? Do they have championships? Right? Nobody wants to be a part of a losing team. You want your team to win. You want to be a winner as well. That's why we wear jerseys and we're not even on the team. Thirdly is what they can do. So we look, look at who they are, what they've done, and and now maybe you're a fan of a team because what they could accomplish, what they could do. You know, there's the players are drafted, there, there's transfers in college, there's trades, maybe get a new coach, and you look at the ability of what they could do in the future. And so we could talk about teams for a while. I could keep going on and on, but I'm not here to just talk about our favorite sports team. I have a very more important question for us this morning, and that is, why does God deserve our devotion? Why does God deserve our devotion. Today, I want to show you that some of these same reasons of why a favorite team gets our focus, God is in a much more uh, better position to receive our praise. Think about it. We've been talking about God these last few weeks, defining, describing who he is. We talked about he's a God of justice, right? He's perfect. He makes perfect, fair decisions. He's just. We've talked about he's the God of protection. He's loving. He cares about us. Last week, we talked about his greatness, his strength. You see, we see in scripture that he's the Lord of Lords, right? Back in the day, a Lord, someone had lots of land, made decisions, had people under them. They, they were like ultimate authority. And we see this in scripture of like scripture saying he's the Lord of, over all those Lords. They, they were seen with so much power. And no, God is the Lord over them. We also see he's the King of Kings. Think about all the Kings in history. All the power they had, the land they ruled, the wealth they had. And he's the king above all those kings. To me, that blows my mind when you think about how much power a king has. And the scripture says God is the king above them all. And, and another thing, God is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. And, and you might see the, the relation of the first two, Lord and King. There's some authority, some power there. Creator, you, you don't see it as much, especially nowadays. All we got is the creator fund on TikTok, and we got a bunch of TikTokers and influencers just making videos. And it's almost like creator has lost its, its power. But you see, I think creator of the universe might be, the most, be filled with the most power the most authority. The 90s, they were a great decade full of inventions and really um, cool advancements in technology. I don't know if you know this, but in 1994, Sony came out with the first PlayStation. Any PlayStation fans in the building? I know, Ty Beckman, video gamer. But you see, Sony took these materials, plastic and metal and, and microchips and glue and lasers, whatever goes in the PlayStation, and brought it together to, to build this very advanced video game that, that we could play. And, and you might not see it now, but this relates to us. You might be like, what does a PlayStation matter? Well, we're a lot like the PlayStation. 
You see, God formed, a, formed Adam from the earth. He, he brings us out of this brokenness and sinful, sinfulness, and he, he makes us, he forms us. He made us in his image and gave us a specific purpose in life and designed us with, with the potential to do amazing things. You see, without God, we'd be worthless. We'd have no purpose without God. We would, we would just be on this earth doing nothing. But God gave us the purpose. He, he brought the brokenness and he brings purpose. See, we worship God because of who he is. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Creator. We worship God because of who he is. And but just like our favorite teams, right? It's not just the identity that excites us, that, want, that makes us celebrate the team, right? Usually teams that we're devoted to, they have, they have a history. They have a history of winning, uh, of being successful, right? The Chicago Bulls, yeah, they had Michael Jordan, the greatest to play, but they also won and won and won and kept winning. And so it's important to look at the history and you're like, I wanna be a part of that winning program. I, I wanna be a part of that winning history. In that same way, I think we can look at God's history. You see, God has done so many things in each and every one of our lives. He, he first gave us life. Everybody in this room has life. Had breath this morning. God created a beautiful earth with, with nature and sunsets, and, and we get to experience this, and he gives us the ideas to create amazing things, and you think about all the advancements we have now, like that all initially came from God. You see, ultimately, the, the best thing that he did for everyone is he made a way for us to have eternal life with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He sent his son down to live a perfect life, the life we couldn't live, and sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could have an eternal, or eternal relationship with God. Look how the psalmist in Psalm 98 thinks we should respond. Read this with me. Come on, Shoals Campus, everybody online. Psalm 98.1, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. How we worship should be influenced by God's history. Right? We should sing a new song, and you're like, Braden, we sing the same, same songs every week. I'm like, I don't think so. I think we have a good variety of worship songs. But it's not necessarily about the song title we have or the lyrics. It's about our heart and about our mindset of what are we singing about? What are we, what are we worshiping God for? It's different for everybody. You see, we sing a new song because God gives us new mercies. God gives us new grace. God gives us new giftings. God gives us new blessings every day. You see, the only way to respond for, with from new mercy is sing a new song, right? We sin every day. We're, we're imperfect people, and, and we might sin in the same way. We might sin in different ways. But imagine if we only had one day with new mercy and new grace. We'd be in trouble because the next day we're going to end up sinning. And you see, because of God's new mercy, we should respond with a new song. And he gives us new blessings. Man, think about what God has done in your life. The, the marriage you have, the kids, the job, 
maybe the finances, the, the house, a place to live, food on, on your table, right? A lot of menial things that we take for granted. See, a lot of times we pray for things like a marriage. We pray for things like having kids. And then, then it gets here and we're like, man, we start complaining about the thing we were praying for. Because there's responsibility that comes with the blessing. You see, and you might be like, Braden, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have the finances. I don't have the house. I don't even have the marriage or the kids. Like, I don't have anything you're talking about. God hasn't blessed me. Well, we can go back to, to what I said earlier is, no, God's blessed you. He's given you breath this morning. He's woken you up another day. He, he's allowed you to live on this earth and experience his creation. I want to tell some people here today that just because you have experienced problems doesn't mean God won't keep his promises. Look at the promise that we, can, we find in God's word. I think there's some people that need to hear this. There's some people that need to claim this truth, this promise. I believe at the Shoals campus right now, there's somebody, you need to hear this promise from the word of God. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. See, a, a couple years ago, I ended up dropping out of college and pursued the school of ministry here at Faith Church. I, I felt like God was calling me to do ministry, and so I came to the decision, I'm going I'm to drop out of college. You know, I go through the school of ministry, and, and guess what happens? It's 2019 to 2020. School of ministry gets cut short because of COVID. About two months short. And I'm left, and I'm like, what? God, you called me to this. You, you said to be faithful, and, and now you're not going to be faithful. What am I supposed to do? To keep delivering pizzas at Domino's for the rest of my life? Am I supposed to go back to school? What do I do? And, and I found myself questioning God's faithfulness because of the circumstance I was in. And, and, but I, I, I was patient and waited. I felt like, no, God called me to this. He's going to be faithful. And now we see that I'm on the very platform that I came into this church watching Pastor Steve preach. And now I'm here on this platform because of God's call on my life. I was almost too impatient. Some of us in this, in this room, we, we're like, God's not faithful. He didn't do it for me. Well, maybe he was about to, and you gave up too quickly. Some of us are too impatient with the call of God on our life. Let's look at Psalms 98 again. We can see the, the praises and prophecies about the Lord's promises. Psalm 98.3, it says, He is remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. You see, this is both a praise and a prophecy. See, it's a praise for what God did for the Israelites, delivering them from Egypt out of slavery. But then we can look and it's a prophecy for us that God's going to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's something to be excited about. That's something to praise God for. You see, too often I feel like we attribute where we're at, the good in our lives, to ourselves. And we want to blame God for the rest. I, I feel like a big thing in culture now, especially in, in Hollywood and, and celebrities, and it's, it, people are following it because they think it, it's a good thing to do and it works, is, is just like, I manifested this. You know, I, I got myself here. I worked hard. I spoke this into existence. 
You know, and then you got crystals and rocks, meditation, all these worldly things that there's some power in them because we can see, wow, that person's famous. They got some success. It must have worked for them. But guess what? That's leading them further away from God. That's leading them towards worldly success, but eternal death. And you, you, it might look attractive. You're like, well, I want to be that. You got your priorities messed up. We, we shouldn't want to have success here. We should want to have success in eternity with God. You see, what true Christ followers will find is that God is the one that keeps his promises. God is the one that is faithful. You see, we worship God because of what he's done. We just sang about it. We worship God because of what he's done. And more than just the past success, right, of our teams that we like, we're fans of the team based on the upcoming season, right? We always talk about Alabama's going to win the championship this year. Tennessee's going to, I don't know how you guys think that, but (laughs) we're always very hopeful for our team, like of what's to come in the next few years. In the same way, our devotion to God isn't simply based on his previous history, but his future ability his future ability. And I think nothing displays this better, this nature of God in scripture than in the story of Paul and Silas. You see, Paul and Silas, Paul, one of the greatest apostles, wrote a lot of the New Testament. We talk about Paul a lot. He was doing ministry with his boy Silas. They were preaching the gospel. They were, they were casting out demons. And they came across this little demon-possessed girl that she had like the ability to uh, tell the future. And this guy was using her to make money. And so what Paul and Silas, what do they do? What God called them to do? They cast the demon out of her. And so then of course the guy gets mad, right? He's like, I was making money. Now I don't have any money. And he kind of got some people around him, got a little mob and, and they got angry and they ended up getting Paul and Silas thrown into prison. And the story picks up in Acts 16, verse 24. It says, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. See, Paul and Silas started worshiping God for who he had been and who he could be. See, there's no promise of anything here. There's no guarantee. They're in prison. They're in the worst part of the prison, the inner dungeon, which is the darkest and lowest part, which you can imagine then what, what comes into that prison from up above, from the other prisoners. The worst part they can be, and they find themselves worshiping God. See, I think we can learn something from Paul and Silas here. I think, man, we should be worshiping, we should be praising in the prison. We should be worshiping through our worry. We should be singing in the shackles. You see, there was no guarantee of anything happening, but we should do that because then we see, we continue in verse 26. Listen to this, read this with me. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Every chain off of every prisoner fell off. You might be like, well, it was an earthquake, of course. Where'd the earthquake come from? Sometimes we forget that worship can impact others. I was in the car about a month ago. I was on a road trip and I was worshiping the Lord to one of this, these new songs I, I really enjoy and was just 
Lord was working in my heart and I was just worshiping him. Like anybody do that in the car? Like you're just deep in worship. You're giving it to God. Like, man, this was a great moment. I had like a nine hour drive. And so it was a lot of what I did. And, and I felt like the Lord, he put my, my older brother on my heart. He's my older brother. He's not a believer, not following the Lord. And, and, and I don't do it as much as I should, but, but I felt like the Lord was like telling me to, to share this song with him. I'm like, God, you don't know my brother. <laughs> they don't listen to this stuff. And I, I was just kept worshiping and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I'm like, this has got to be God. And so I'm like nervous and I'm, I send him the song and I'm like, what is he going to say? He's going to think I'm weird. <laughs> and you see, I kept worshiping God before any response. I, I was worshiping God as if he had already saved my brother. There was no guarantee. God hasn't guaranteed that he's going to save him. There's a chance he may not, may not get saved. But you see, I was worshiping the Lord as if he had already done it. And, and it would have been great. I was hoping that he's going to text me and he was going to be like, dude, I, God just revealed himself to me and I repented and, and I gave my life to the Lord. And I would, have been like, I would have jumped out of my car and been like, let's go. But you know what happened? He just hearted the message. No response. But I kept worshiping the Lord because if he saves my brother or not, he's, God is still good. God is still worthy. Whether he does it or not, he's still worthy. You see, sometimes the perspective of our worship isn't just about the present. And God is worthy of our worship because of what he can do. God is worthy of worship because of what he can do. I think sometimes there might be a disconnect between why we worship and, and why he deserves it. Anybody heard of this principle, the, the 12th man in football? The 12th man, anybody heard this? If you don't know what this means, the 12th man is, is this simple thing of there's 11 players on the team, on the field, and the 12th man is the crowd. The 12th man is the crowd, and that's why a home team advantage is a thing, because in a game, when, when the players, you know, they're playing, they make a good play, maybe the crowd goes crazy. It's an intense, passionate time. The crowd's chanting and screaming and, and pumping up the players, and, and when they engage with the players, the players engage back by playing better, and a lot of times they win the game because of it. You see, very similarly, you know, how all these impact the game, the, these things of the 12th man in the same way, our worship impacts the environment around us. But the only difference is, is worship doesn't always change the outcome, but it will change the outlook. Worship won't always change the outcome, but it'll change the outlook. See, getting a heavenly outlook shows us God's way. We don't want to worship for our own desires. We, sh we should want to worship for God's desire to come true. Let's continue to look at Psalm 98. Psalm 98, four. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. See, not only are we encouraged to break out in praise with this verse, but I think we could read it a little differently and it might say something to us. What if we read it the only way to break out is to sing for joy and praise him. You see, Paul and Silas figured this out. 
There was no, like I said, there's no guarantee of them being released from prison. God didn't, we saw in scripture, he didn't speak to him and be like, hey, if you start praising me, I'm gonna release you. (laughs) That'd be nice sometimes if God told us exactly what to do and we'd get the outcome, but that didn't happen. Right, Paul and Silas were worshiping for just who he, who he is and what he, what he could be. But, th- but they knew the only way for something to happen was through God's power. The only way to break out from those chains is through God's power. I think it, we talk about the 12th man. I think we've become the 12th man for everything but God. You see, I've talked a lot about teams and a lot about sports, and you may be in here and you're like, I don't give a rip about sports, all right? What about political leaders, celebrities? Maybe your relationship or your career. How much time are you talking about and and praising what happens in those situations? See, I think we should become the 12th man for God. You see, Paul and Silas, they led the way in the prison and they, they engaged with God And God engaged back with them. And you might be like, Braden, that's all great. Paul and Silas got released. Seems like you've experienced God's faithfulness. And and man, that's all great. Happy for you. God ain't done nothing for me. You might be like, I've only experienced loss. I've only experienced pain and heartache. You might be in here not knowing this God of, of faithfulness. And so I want to stand here and tell you, I'm not above that either. There's loss and pain and hurt in my life too. You see, years ago, my, my aunt got diagnosed with cancer and, and through a battle, she ended up beating it. But then eight months ago, it came back very aggressive, hospitalized her very quickly, deathly ill. She's my, my dad's side of the family. They're up in Michigan. I'm down here in Alabama. Can't do anything about it. Pretty close with my aunt. This is the first time I've experienced anything like that could result in loss from somebody close to me. And I remember finding myself right here, right in this front row on Sunday mornings, 12 hours away, worshiping as if God had already healed her, worshiping as if the cancer was gone and that she was gonna be made whole. I was praying for her, praying for my family, declaring healing for my aunt. It didn't work. She passed away. And so then the question, you know, that would probably come to a lot of our minds is, why does God deserve our worship? Why does he deserve our devotion? And I'll tell you why, because it brought our family closer together. It it brought my other aunt, her sister, there was restoration in her relationship with the Lord. I had the opportunity to speak at my aunt's funeral the first time I'd ever done something like this. And there were 150 friends and family who didn't know the Lord. And I got to talk about the life of faith that my aunt lived. And I got to preach the gospel to about 150 people who who may have not known the Lord. And who knows how how many seeds were planted in that day. And I don't know if anyone received the gospel, but God's glory came from the pain. And you see, what I want to tell you today is, is it may look different than what you want. God's faithfulness might look different, but you see, God is still good even if he doesn't. God is still faithful even if he doesn't. 
God is still worthy even if he doesn't. God is still merciful even if he doesn't do it. God is still holy even if he doesn't do it. God is still perfect even if he doesn't do it. God is still loving even if he doesn't do it. God is still just even if he doesn't do it. God is still Lord even if he doesn't do it. And God is still King even if he doesn't do it. Even if he doesn't. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are nothing like your ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than yours. See, we're not going to understand all the time what God does in our life and why he does it. But there's some times where you do figure out later why he did it. Yeah. Think about it. When, when our team loses a game, are they no longer our team? No. If your kid loses their baseball game, do you disown your kid? Of course not. Right, if you see a post you hate on social media or don't like, do you delete all social media? I'd, I'd beg to say, probably say you don't do that. What about if that, you know, that political leader that you support, they don't win the election. Does that mean they lose your support? No, usually we still support them and say how they should have won and the other dude needs to get out. See, our relationship with God shouldn't, shouldn't be any different. Why is it when, when struggle and, and hurt come, we, we don't worship God, but we blame God? You see, when, when a team loses, we blame everything but our team just, just taking responsibility for the loss, right? The refs were bad, uh, the, the, the players were hurt, we had this and this happen, and, and we make every excuse possible except for just the other team was better and we lost. The same way in life, we, we want to blame all the bad on God and claim all the good for, for us. See, we are more faithful in worship to our favorite people, teams, and things than we are faithful in worship to the God who created us. What would it look like, church, if we, if we worship God as much as we worship our favorite team? What if we were as devoted to God as we were to, to our, our girlfriend or boyfriend or, or to our career or, or, or to, to our family? What if we were as devoted to that, that celebrity or devoted to that political party? What, what would it look like, church, if we were as devoted to God as we were to all these things? Imagine what it would look like. What could God do in your life? What could God do in your family's life? What could God do in our community, in our church, if, if we began to worship God for, for who he is and what he's done and what he can do? We're about to go back into, into this song, Same God, and church, I would encourage you to worship him. How, all across this room, who here wants to give God the worship he truly deserves? Who wants to worship God? for who he is and what he's done and what he can be. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet and let's worship God for who he is and what he's done.
Come on, church. Come on, faith church. Can we give God our best praise? Come on, for what he's done. Come on, being the same God, being faithful to us. Come on. Jesus, we come to you in your name. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for what you've done, Lord, and we're thankful for what you can do. And Lord, you deserve all the praise and all the glory, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.